Do not let the weeds distract you from the beauty of God's grace. A reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field while people were sleeping. Then an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the stalk sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landowner come, came and said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? An enemy has done this, he answered. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go out and gather them? But the landowner said, No, because if you gather the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow side by side until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, First gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned. But bring the wheat into my barn. Glory to God. Well, now, loving, present God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, sisters and brothers, grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the claim that Jesus was a superb teacher is rarely disputed. Even people who don't call him Savior or Lord uh, are drawn and riveted by his teachings, which occur primarily by the telling of stories. Uh, maybe one of the most magnetic features of his teaching style was his openness to dialogue with his listeners. A good teacher, you know, doesn't just walk up and dump truth onto the listener. A good teacher starts with where the listeners are, listens for their questions, and then offers some kind of response. Jesus lets his listeners hit the ball over the net, and then he hits it back, and they hit it back again. I do have this working theory that had Jesus stuck to more stories about lilies of the field and birds of the air, he might have lived longer. But no, Jesus was always telling stories that messed with people's assumptions. I think it was his favorite hobby, in fact. Read the four Gospels and you'll see him regularly shaking people up taking their long-held rituals and regulations and assumptions about how things are down here and surprising them by saying, with a big grin on his face, as I imagine it, you think it's this way, but it's not that way at all. And today's story is a classic example of this. I think we can see why this parable that Elisa just read never makes it onto the top 10 of Jesus' best-loved stories. It never ranks up there with the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. I mean, has anybody ever come to you and said, oh, tell me the one about the farmer who lets the weeds take over the wheat field? Yeah, no. This isn't one of the more popular stories of Jesus. But he told it one day to help people understand what the kingdom of God is like. He was teaching beside a lake, uh, and it was probably a beautiful day because we're told that many people had come out to hear him. So many, 
In fact, that Jesus had to climb into a little boat and push off a little ways from the shore. And, and everybody on the beach is listening to him teach. And one of the stories he tells is, is this one. Once upon a time, a farmer decided to plant a field full of wheat. And he used very good seed when he planted. But on that very same night, an enemy sneaked into the field and scattered a different kind of seed. It was Darnell weed. And at this point, Jesus looks out and he see, notices all the farmers in the crowd nodding at each other and smiling. They know about Darnell weed. Nasty stuff that looks like wheat, but with poisonous seeds and roots like nylon cords. And if not separated from the wheat at some point, those seeds can get ground into the flour and will make a loaf of bread that will give you a stomach ache for days. So now Jesus has everybody's attention. Well, soon the farmhands, says Jesus, come running to the farm, farmer and, and they say, boss, didn't you plant pure seed? then how come your field is growing a crop with weeds all mixed in with the wheat? Reckon we better start hacking those weeds away. But the farmer, Jesus says, says, no, 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 leave the weeds as they are. Well, at this moment, the farmers in the crowd stop smiling and they look at each other and roll their eyes because no farmer in his or her right mind is going to leave the weeds alone. But Jesus says, uh-uh-uh, don't you pull those weeds. Let it all grow together, wheat and weeds, till harvest time comes, and then we'll know what's what. The harvester will take the weeds and burn them, and will gather the wheat into the barn. So this isn't one of Jesus' more popular stories. Maybe because this parable raises some real questions. For one thing, I'd like to ask the same question as the landowner's servants. God, did you or did you not plant a good world down here? Then where did all of these strangling, sinister weeds come from? I would really like to know that myself. And you know, in this story, Jesus doesn't really explain it. He doesn't explain the mystery of evil. He lets us grapple with the truth that there are forces down here that, that do real damage in this lifetime. There are going to be weeds in this life. There are people in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, who are, let's be honest, problematic. Thorny people who, who are mostly just soaking up precious sunlight and nutrients and water. And according to Matthew, their presence is the work of the enemy or the evil one. You'll hear him talk more than once in his gospel about the children of the kingdom, the children of the evil one. This is quite typical of Matthew. Of all the gospel writers, Matthew is the only one who goes on and on at some length about the division between sheep and goats, 
between the wise virgins and the foolish ones, between wheat and weeds. Matthew's perspective is consistently dualistic. For Matthew, people in this world are either uh, black or white, good or bad, faithful or wicked, blessed or cursed, in or out. And that kind of thing can be hard on 21st century ears, you know? Matthew may have been clear that there are only two kinds of people in the world, wheat or weeds, and maybe that's clear for you too. But for me, it's often muddled. You know? And in truth, I find both in myself. Even so, maybe we can at least agree on this, that, that weeds are, in fact, the enemy. Do you remember in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, and as they were being shown the door and let out of the garden, God said to them, by the sweat of your face are you going to eat bread from now on, and the very ground that you farm will produce weeds and thorns. Weeds are, in a sense, the enemy. They, they always have been. And the one planting the, the weeds is the one who is against us, against every good thing we try to do, everything good we try to create. And you can be sure this enemy is against every good, healthy, joyful, fruit-bearing church that we try to grow in this world. Between you and me, I've begun to think the devil is in our plumbing here at First Baptist Church. All of that to say, the, the, the first part of this parable isn't really all that confusing. There are going to be weeds. We understand why the field hands want to pull the weeds. We, we get that. The problematic part of this parable is when the boss says, no. Leave the weeds alone. That we did not see coming. You mean we're just supposed to leave the weeds in there with all that pure, good wheat? Come on. Isn't there such a thing as right and wrong, good and evil, true and false? We've got to take a stand. We've got to draw a line here. We've got to say who can stay and who's got to go. I mean, what are we here for anyway? Well, the boss says, leave the weeds alone. But they're ruining the garden. They're choking out, leave the weeds alone. But aren't we supposed to get rid of, leave the weeds alone? Why? Well, Jesus tells them why. He says, how can you know for sure which is the wheat and which is the weeds? when they look so much alike. And even if you think you know, even if you're 100% sure you know, the roots of the weeds and the roots of the wheat are all wrapped around each other now, and I'm not going to risk losing a single stalk of my good wheat. For now, Jesus told them, the bad is all tangled up with the good. And God will not uproot the bad, not yet. Because God's business is growing the good. And the good for now is all intertwined with the bad. Now the day will come when it's all sorted out. But that day is not here. Not yet. 
What the story boils down to is that for now, we're pretty much stuck, and somehow God chooses to be stuck with a most untidy world. And God looks out over the field with an amazingly unanxious eye and chooses to put up with the messiness until the gathering time comes. Maybe what this parable means to help us see, at least in part, it's is that it's, it's not our prime directive to sort everything out. It's not our mission to do hand-to-hand combat against the weeds as if we could root out all the evil in the world. That's a, a, a purity impulse, and it was prevalent in Jesus' day, most notably in the Pharisees, and it's prevalent in our day. And we understand where it comes from, don't we? Because something in us gets rightly angry and troubled and grieved by so much that is wrong in this world. It's everywhere. And it makes us want to shout this battle cry and go running into the fields with our machetes in our hands to slash and hack and divide and destroy the evil we see. But Jesus says, no. Because we can't see how the evil and the good are intertwined. And we don't see the evil we do when we judge and attack as if we were God. And oh my goodness, I don't have to tell you this. Church people are especially inclined to this slash and burn behavior. Was it Blaise Pascal who said that people never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction? Now it's important, important to be clear, this story is not a call to be passive about evil, no. There are evils we clearly see in our systems, our corporate systems and governmental systems, in our churches and and in ourselves that we can address, and we better do it. Jesus still calls us to repentance, which means, for me, that I stop reserving a little plot for weeds in the garden of my own life. I stop fertilizing them and watering them, and I pour myself into the work of growing all the good I can under God. And of course, as a church, we're called to bear witness against the sowing of evil seeds. We confront evil. And we do all in our power to counterplant the good stuff. We did that 18 months ago down at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. On the day when white supremacists were staging a rally near the White House, we joined with our friends from 19th Street Baptist Church for a prayer walk around the memorial and communion together. We were counterplanting the good stuff. So we're not passive about evil ever. But in this parable, what Jesus is calling to in our never-ending struggle against evil is a thoughtfulness and a discerning wisdom and a proper humility. Because we who on some days may think we understand so much, we're part of the messy field too. There's an old story, maybe you've heard it, of a very proper lady in the South who went into a tea shop one day and ordered a pot of tea. 
And as she read her newspaper, she planned to eat a package of cookies that she had brought with her in her purse. And the shop was very busy, and so at her table also sat an elderly, brown-skinned man. And as she was reading her paper and sipping her tea, she reached for a cookie and noticed that he took a cookie too. Well, this was irritating. But she continued reading her newspaper, and, and, and after a while she took another cookie, and he took another cookie too. So she glared at him. And as she was glaring, he took the fifth and final cookie, broke it in half, gave her a half, and ate the other. Well, the woman got up immediately, left in a huff, went to the bus stop, opened her purse to pay the bus fare, and there inside her purse was her package of cookies unopened. We think we understand so much. Let me put it plainly. We aren't here to root out all the evil in the world. We are here to grow all the good we can in a most imperfect world. And since, for now, evil and good are all wrapped up together under God, there's nothing we can do to change that. What's left for us is to entrust ultimate outcomes into the sovereign patience of God and the sovereign purpose of God. Which means, among other things, we've got to learn to be more patient with each other. We look at the people in our lives, our spouses, our co-workers, our friends, even our brothers and sisters in church, and we see their thorny behaviors and attitudes, and we don't like it. And we get angry at them because they don't change, or really, more to the point, they don't let us change them. But it does appear for now, in the world and in the church, the wheat and the weeds are all connected. And God isn't trying to fix them. God is trying to grow what is beautiful from out of what is gnarled and twisted. And, God loves the field. Can we be more patient with each other when God is so patient? Some of us also need to be a little more patient with ourselves. Friends, please stop dreaming that you will ever live a perfect life. God knows your life and mine are imperfect fields. And God loves the field. God wants to grow the good from among what is weed-infested. And I guess that's where real repentance comes in. Real repentance is not going to work on your life with a weed-eater. It's not. Repentance is when you stop trying to be God and in humility give the whole field into God's hands. And so, sisters and brothers, I invite you today as I am invited in some fresh way, or maybe even for the first time, to trust the messy field of your life to the risen Christ who loves the field. Trust your life to the crazy lunatic farmer whose supply of good seed never runs out. The one who wants so much to grow something beautiful in you and in the church and in the world beyond anything we could ask or imagine. And so,
Come, Lord Jesus, right into the middle of our messy field. Stand among the wheat and the weeds and plant your good seed in us and in our church and in this world that you love so much. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.